Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, what's up? I'm Maggie, and Julia is also here, but I was editing the episode and we did not have sound for about the first six or seven minutes of recording this episode. So I'm doing this little introduction alone. So I'm just going to quickly talk to you about our Patreon, and then we'll mosey right into the rest of the episode. Um, for those of you who are looking for more bookish content from us, you can subscribe to our Patreon. We post content each week, including mini-sodes, Q&A sessions, book unboxings, and more. This summer, we'll even be doing an exclusive book club for all Patreon members. Keep a lookout for uh, at our Novel Finds Instagram this week because I am going to be hosting a little quiz to see what book we should read this summer for our book club. And if you're in certain tiers, you even get fun and exclusive Novel Finds merchandise with four different tiers to choose from, ranging from $3 to $20 a month. There are many options for more content from us, the Novel Finds ladies. For more information about our Patreon, follow the link in our bio. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Um, so please enjoy this Audible ad where I pretend to be both me and Julia. Maggie, do you know what I love more than books? What? Free books. Oh, I thought you were going to say, reminding me that time is a construct. Oh, yeah, well, sure. But if you sign up for a 30-day trial of Audible Premium using the link audibletrial.com slash novelfinds, you get a free audiobook. Wait, I sign up at audibletrial.com slash novelfinds and just automatically get a free book? Yep, you get a credit for whatever audiobook you want. The world is your oyster. This feels like when Belle saw Bee's library for the first time. Right? So sign up for a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash novelfinds for your free audiobook today. Um, so I hope you enjoyed listening to me talk to myself about our Patreon and our Audible. And now enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, everyone, it is... Gosh, what was it? It's it time. is Asian American History Month. In yeah, it's the first day of Asian American History Month. And it's Asian American and Pacific Islander. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is part of the reason we picked this incredible novel, She Who Became the Sun. Um, it, gosh, golly, geez. Should I just pop right into a synopsis? Honestly, I think you should. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, she Who Became the Sun is the first book in the Radiant Emperor duology by Shelley Parker Chan. And Shelley wrote this because she was looking for translations of different stories um, from Mongolian era China, and she couldn't find any. So she wrote her own. And I think that's wildly inspirational. Mm, yes. So here goes. In a famine-stricken village on a dusty yellow plain, two children are given two fates. The boy, greatness. The girl, nothingness. In 1345, China lies under harsh Mongol rule. For the starving peasants of the central plains, greatness is something found only in stories. When the Zhu family's eighth-born son is given a fate of greatness, everyone is mystified as to how it will come to pass. 
the fate of nothingness is received by the family's clever and capable second daughter. And that is only to be expected. When mm-hmm. a bandit attack orphans the two children, though, it is Zhu Changba who succumbs to despair and dies. Desperate to escape her own fated death, the girl uses her brother's identity to enter a monastery as a young male novice. There, propelled by her burning desire to survive, Zhu learns that she is capable of doing whatever it takes, no matter how callous, to stay hidden from her fate. After the sanctuary is destroyed for supporting the rebellion against Mongol rule, Zhu is flung back onto a collision course within her lethal fate. Her one chance of escape is to claim another future altogether, her brother's abandoned greatness. Searching for a path to power, Zhu joins the rebellion, only to find it under existential threat from the Mongols' most feared general, an enslaved eunuch whose beautiful female face conceals a heart as merciless as jade and ice. For a monk with no martial skills, the front line of a war's losing side is a bad place to be. And worse yet, heaven is watching for any sign that Zhu might not be the true owner of the fate she has been audacious enough to claim. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. Nice. Can I hit you up with some fun facts? I would genuinely love it. Yay! All right. They are all about the author, Shelley Parker Chan, obviously. Sometimes I throw in fun facts about the book, but these are all about uh, Parker Chan from her website, which I thought was pretty cool. So fact number one. Shelley Parker Chan is an Asian-Australian former diplomat and international development advisor who spent almost 10 years working on human rights, gender equality, and LGBT uh, rights in Southeast Asia. That is amazing. I know, right? Um, number two, she has a black belt in Taekwondo. Um, another amazing fun fact. Uh-huh. Um, and then finally, which I think is very – all of these fun facts are fun. Uh, her special travel skill is being able to cook almost any kind of food in an electric rice cooker. Hmm. That is think, actually – that seems like it would be a very good skill to have. Honestly, yes. <laughs> like if if you just travel with your electric rice cooker and you can just make anything out of it. Have you ever – okay. Sidebar, quick sidebar. Have you used an instant pot? Yes, indeed. Do you have an instant pot? Not here in Scotland, no. Okay, this is not an ad for instant pots, but we have one here and it's amazing and you should get one. <laughs> like, <laughs> we cook almost every meal, at least one thing has been in the instant pot. It's like the combination of uh cooker and like air fryer yes and it is perfect it is instant pots perfect perfect kitchen item they're amazing and they cook your food perfectly without you even having to try though i will say i did try making a loaf of bread once in the instant pot and it came out looking (laughs) like an alien's baby so don't do bread do bread in the oven i i feel like that (laughs) I don't want to say it's obvious, but <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I just, I wanted to try it. I found a recipe and then it came out looking super weird and it tasted really, it was very dense. It didn't rise. Mm. And, you know, 
the mom ate some of it and really liked it, but I was just so embarrassed by what it was that I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm throwing this away. <laughs> Cause right. it was just, it was, it was lumpy and weird. And I just, it was embarrassing. So of course I'm sharing I'm so it with sorry. all of you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Instant thoughts um, though. <laughs> I like that you <laughs> let everyone know that we aren't sponsored by instant pot. <laughs> We are not, but we should be. Yes. Okay. Um, I also just want to say I had looked this book up on Goodreads and mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool that the author actually responded to one of the questions because a part of Goodreads, people ask questions about the books mm-hmm. sometimes. And um, she who became the son, I guess if I were to like give it a tagline, it would be an LGBTQ Mulan meets Song of Achilles, sort of, um, mm-hmm. because Zhu, she takes her cousin's identity. She pretends to be a male. Oh, that's her brother. And it's, I thought it was her cousin. No, it's her her brother, her older brother. Oh. Hmm. Still related. Just, like, oh, well, <laughs> this changes everything for me. It doesn't really change anything, no, but it doesn't change much. She takes his identity and it's this really, really long and epic tale. Mm-hmm. Sort of like Song of Achilles and Circe vibes for me. But someone had asked on Goodreads if it is LGBTQ and what aspect of the story was. And Shelley Parker Chan answered. And I'm just going to read it just because I think it's so cool to answer. Yeah, please do your own question on Goodreads. And um, she said, hopefully you don't mind if I answer this one. As if, Shelly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> there are two storylines, and each storyline has a genderqueer protagonist. One is assigned female at birth, but doesn't identify as female. The other is assigned male at birth and identifies as male, but is a eunuch with a gender non-conforming appearance. The um, assigned female at birth character has a relationship with a woman, and the assigned male at birth character has a relationship with a man. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. I just thought yeah. it was so cool that she responded to that question. Yeah. Also, this book has won a couple of awards or is an, is nominated for a couple of awards, like the Lambda Literary Award, I'm pretty sure. Um, yes. I Last I saw, it was shortlisted. For awards, but I haven't seen since if it won any. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know I looked it up at one point and it was like, oh, cool. The House in the Cerulean Sea also got a Lambda Literary Award. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. It's not like we, we don't actually do this on purpose. We just pick really cool LGBTQ books. So. We can't help that we have great taste. Mm, yes. <laughs> so should we get into it now that we've. Yes talked for a little while uh my question to you yes have you read many other um novels written by asian authors my goal this year is to read more books in general by Mm -hmm. many many authors i feel like i often read books by white female authors i feel like that's just what i have fallen to so i my goal this year instead of doing a number books was to read more books by more authors. And I read the book. Um, it's by Ocean Vuong. Oh, on earth, we're briefly gorgeous. 
And I talked about it a little bit in one of our Patreon episodes, but it is um, also LGBTQ and it is about um, a young Asian man growing up in America and coming to terms with his sexuality and his relationship with his mother. And it is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read in my entire life. It is like lyrical and the author is so incredibly smart. And I think that they are on a podcast. um, I can't remember her name, but her podcast is we can do hard things. Glennon something. Do you know who I'm talking about? Doyle. Yes. Thank you. Um, They were on her podcast and it is an incredible episode. You should all check it out. Okay, cool. So that's my little pitch. Um, What about you, Julia? Have you read many books by Asian authors? Not a ton. Uh, There's one series uh, in the Avatar, The Last Airbender universe, which, I mean, in itself seems kind of lame, but it's not. It's cool. Um, But it's called The Rise of Kiyoshi and is written by F.C. Yee. And so that is the only one that's really coming to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say I probably, I don't know, half and half. I think I read a lot of like white female authors, but then I also read a solid amount of black female authors. Yeah. Um, And when I had my Owl Crate subscription, they were really good about you know, inclusion or inclusivity for all of their books too. So, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It's really awesome. And it really like helps give more space for, for more people to write cool books and to share their cool books. So. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we've already posted the, the Instagram post with our review, our three word review, but yes. What three words would you use to describe she who became the sun? It okay. could be three different words, I guess, if you wanted to. Yes. I feel like I meant to relook at the Instagram post to remember <laughs> what three words I picked because now I'm going to pick three different ones, but that's fine. This is just how it is. Um, I would say definitely beautiful, epic, and long. Not in a bad way, but it's really – it's a long read. Honestly, I'm pretty sure those are the three words that you did say, I think. They sound wow. close. Uh, yeah, my three are continuing to be the same in just saying it is incredibly long or incredibly slow burn. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. not necessarily just in romance, just in general. Slow burn. Very slow burn. I actually marked where the book really started to pick up for me. Yeah. And it is page 122. Ah, nice. And that's when I felt like things were really getting exciting. And then there was a brief period in the middle where they really lost me. And then it picked back up at the end. So I marked, like, just looking at where my very first highlight for the book is. And it's mm-hmm. about a hundred pages after you. It's on page two hundred twenty-six, and <laughs> it took you like, a minute. Oh. <laughs> it did. It took me a really long time. And like, it's not to say that this is a bad book because it's not. Like, it's a gorgeously written book. Um, 
it just took me a really long time to get into it. Yeah, I think that's fair though. And I also think our listeners should take what I'm about to say totally with a grain of salt. But this is not super my type of book, but I think it is because it sort of falls in like, um, it reminded me a lot of when you would watch an autobiographical film of like a musician and it sort of spans their whole life. And it's like, yes, what I'm watching is very interesting, but it's not really my favorite thing to watch. Um, That's how I felt when I was reading it. I think it's gorgeously written. It's just not really my, I don't really love like the really long epic tales that span many, many, many years. It's just, it's harder for me to get into those stories. And I don't really know why, because I totally recognize that this book is incredible, but it's just not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. But it also is going along with your book goal of the year of like expanding authors. So and I think it's good for us to expand into different genres and authors and stuff. Because I mean, what is a book podcast without, you know, stretching the boundaries of our comfort zones? Absolutely. It's actually so funny, you guys. We part of the reason that we picked this book is because we both thought that it was a fantasy novel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we were each like a hundred pages in. (laughs) We were messaging each other. Where is the magic? Confused. Why? How is this a fantasy? And then I read one article on the internet, and it was a fantastical novel about like actual history it's a historical retelling of what actually right. happened like it's not the the fantasy part of this is that it is a retell reimagining of history like yes. it's there's there's barely any magic in it the magic that happens is more of a spiritual level of magic mm-hmm. versus like people using wands or saying magical spells, uh, which I assumed it was going to be when it said, this is a fantasy. Same. But honestly, <laughs> I it's was good for us upset. to read something new. <laughs> it is, but I, <laughs> it was not the book that I had expected. Which also, you guys, look your books up on the internet. <laughs> I mean... One Google search and we knew what I to expect. Thought I had, I don't, I saw the book on NetGalley, even though it's already published. NetGalley is um, like a book service for books before they're published, for those of you that don't know. Um, and I sometimes read those books and then send in a review. Like if mm-hmm. you review it, you get to read it for free as an ebook before it's published. So I saw this on NetGalley and was like, oh my gosh, Maggie, this is so cool. Not realizing that it's just on there for anyone to read um, and thought it was coming out like next month and it's already been published. It's It's on shelves. People can get it anywhere. That is okay. I also got yeah. confused because I thought this book was the book um, Clara and the Sun, which is another hardcover book that I own written by an Asian author. And that oh. one is about, um, I think it's like a mannequin or or they're like these mannequins that you can purchase to be a companion. And oh. this mannequin is obsessed with the sunlight. 
And it was both like a female, Clara, and then this one, she, but then the son. So I think I just merged the two books in my head. So I was extra confused when I started this book. Okay. You want to know the random thought that I had while you were describing Clara and the son? Please. Yes. That why aren't there mannequin companions? And that's probably what I should do, you know? Just in life. We were talking about finding me someone and <laughs> Googling. Okay, Let's just find I was, a mannequin. <laughs> at first, I was like, are you saying that your dream job is to be a mannequin companion? Because. <laughs> no. Just a companion also, for all of the mannequins. I think that there are plenty <laughs> of science fiction short stories that would explain to you why this is a bad idea. I mean, the very first Doctor Who episode in the newest, in like the reboot, tells you why that's a bad idea. Well, there we go. So you don't even need to read. You already know. No, I am aware. I am aware that you should not have mannequins as your companion. I've also watched the Umbrella Academy. I understand the stigma of being in love with a mannequin. Like, we're not going to go there. Um, Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming back soon, too. Yes. I only watched the first season. But. Mm-hmm. Season two is really good. Maybe I'll check it out. He's yeah, very, I would very... have to probably rewatch the first season because most of that show was in one year and out the other for me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah, um, that's cool. Julia. Yes. Do you have a favorite line or section of the book that you would like to share? I do. And you know what? It happens to be on page 226. Um, okay. Or No, sorry. My mistake. 222. Um, that's where the very first highlight of the book happened. Um, but it's. I just thought it was really funny. And that was kind of where I was like, oh, okay, I can get on board with Shu Changua as a monk and as a leader at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And it's you're about my level, and that you know absolutely nothing. Anyway, you'll like it. Learning new skills is fun. And I was just like, yeah, I like that. Very enthusiastic, very ready to learn new things, not too proud to say, hey, I don't know anything about this, and you don't know anything about this. Let's learn together, Um, which I thought was cool. Absolutely. I actually remember that part. Mm -hmm. I really stuck out for me as well. Yeah. so funny. What is your favorite line or section? Okay. I have two sections that I'm going to share. So Ooh. sorry about that. Um, Don't be sorry. The it's first one. You can do what you want. That's right. Um, <laughs> the first one is on page 122, which is when the book started to get really exciting for me. Um, and it is this moment where the monastery has already fallen and Zhu is – um, sort of at, I guess, the front line of the battlefield. And she knows that she needs to call upon heaven or find some drastic way to save the lives of everyone. And I thought it was just like this really incredibly intense moment and very well written. So I'm just going to give it a little read. Oh, let me, sorry, I just dog-eared my page. So it takes me a minute sometimes to find the line that I start with. I dog-eared and highlighted my page. Smart. (laughs) Did you just give me the finger? No, I gave you a finger gun. Oh. (laughs) 
Julia. Your your video is like a little bit lower than mine. And so I thought you gave me the finger. <laughs> Never. Yeah, right. Anyway, okay. tell us your okay. line. Here we go. Desire is the cause of all suffering. The greater the desire, the greater the suffering. And now she desired greatness itself. With all her will, she directed the thought to heaven and the watching statues. Whatever suffering it takes, I can bear it. As if in answer, the shiver in the air thickened. The red turbans fell silent, and the men swayed so their notched arrows trembled like a forest in the breeze. And then the slope beneath the statues gave way. Loaded with heavy rain, destabilized by the vibrations of the red turbans stamped and shouted praise, and released by heaven in response to Zhu Changba's call. With a long, soft roll of thunder, the trees, rocks, statues, and earth all slid into the lake, just like that long-ago temple had done. The black water closed over all of it and stilled. And for a moment, there was nothing. And I just thought that was... I, I think it's just that a simple... That is an epic moment. It's so epic, and it's so... It's it's poetic, but it, in a very not flowery way. Mm-hmm. It's it's really expansive and beautifully written, and that was just a really incredible moment. I felt like it was such um, because the main character Zhu Changba has so much inner conflict over taking her brother's identity and trying to quote unquote trick heaven into Mm -hmm. giving her his greatness and sort of realizing like, how bad is it to desire the greatness? Is it my fate? Am I tricking people into taking somebody else's fate? And it was a really big moment of decision and such a turning Mm -hmm. point for the rest of the book. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That I think I mean, there's so many different turning points, but that is a Mm -hmm. huge one in terms of like shoe getting to the greatness that they get to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 100%. All right. What's Um, your second one? Okay. So it is on page 237 and it is sort of the first spark of real romance between Shu and Ma. And they had kind of been vibing beforehand but this is mm-hmm. i think the moment that Ju realized their feelings for her so i'm just going to read it because it's it's beautiful um so this at this point ma is still engaged to somebody else who is the commander of the army mm-hmm. and everyone is basically conspiring against this commander because he is the worst a little bit dim yeah I don't know that um, he's he he's not necessarily dim. He I thought his he I think not he's stubborn. he's, he's bull headed like, though. Yes. He's, he reminded me of the character in Mulan that wears all blue and he like takes notes and is t- like he's the old annoying guy that is like assistant to the emperor that is Yeah. With- general shang's army absolutely i because he's he's definitely not stupid but he's also naive because he believes that he should just get all of this power without actually working for it yeah and he just believes that he's more right than anyone else and yeah it's not cool it's not a good color 
on anyone. <laughs> um, but she is very loyal to him. They basically grew up together. And mm-hmm. so she's asking Zhu to save him. The thought of seeing Ma's spark crushed by... Oh, and I'm going to give a blanket apology for names that I mispronounce for the rest of this episode. I'll restart that sentence. I really apologize in advance. The thought of seeing Ma's spark crushed by little Guo or Chen or anyone else was irrationally troubling. Zhu realized that she wanted to keep that fierce empathy in the world, not because she understood it, but because she didn't. And for that reason, it seemed precious, something worth protecting. Ugh, I thought that was so, so beautiful and such it a declaration of love. And, and I, yeah. then we don't see anything until like page, hang on, until like page 300 something. Yes, because they go off to battle and we don't see a scene mm-hmm. between them for at, Ever. at least 100 pages. Forever. Yeah. Incredibly slow burn, let me remind you. (laughs) Especially because I did not – I wasn't very interested in the B-plot in the other storyline between um, the other army. Oh, yeah. Between Essen and Ouyang. Mm -hmm. Was hit and miss on that plot. Yeah. Every so often, I felt like that plot was more interesting when they actually talked about the – political intrigue and Mm -hmm. their plots against the other army but the relationship itself felt failed from the beginning and i also well it was failed from the beginning too yes like it's shown to be failed from the beginning absolutely but i felt like i really struggled because the characters were interesting but i actually didn't root for either of them i sort of had this i wasn't as invested Whereas if something had happened to Zhu or Ma or like some mm-hmm. of the other side characters in that story, I would have felt really affected by that and very invested. But I wasn't as invested. I felt like in anybody in the B storyline. That's fair. Um, I got really into it, into that one, when I realized that Ouyang was – spoiler – uh, was like about to backstab his people, basically the people that he grew up with. Um, yes, like in order to restore some sort of honor to his family that was brutally murdered by Essen's father, who then mm-hmm. uh spared Ouyang and made him a eunuch and then made him Essen's slave who then turned into his Essen's friend. Like when I started realizing that Ouyang was about to just straight up murder everyone, I was like, okay, I can get behind this because I mean, not that people deserve that, but that's a lot of trauma to happen. And I think that that character deserved to you know, try to right the wrong. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely what I meant when I said like that part of the story was so much more interesting Mm -hmm. than the romance because that was 
it, it's a revenge story and it's yeah. sort of like, like a heist and how he tricks everyone and how he gets yeah. into all of their heads. And I thought it was so powerful. And this is sort of at the end of the book. So skip ahead really quick if you don't want to hear. But Essen feels so betrayed by this. And Uyang says, you think I don't remember. I, w- I remember what happened to me. And I remember seeing my family killed. Mm-hmm. Of course, like I have to do this. This is my fate, which is a super huge theme in the book is living up mm-hmm. to one's fate. And I think it really like Essen came from a place of privilege because he loved Uyong oh, he and they were friends, did. but he didn't understand the emotional impact that mm-hmm. he was carrying his entire life. Well, that and like Essen was a like a man's man. He was he was the manliest. He was like Uyang was loved Essen, but was also jealous of Essen, but was also like in love with Essen. And there were just all of these conflicting emotions because like it was looked down on to be interested in someone that was the same sex as you. Mm-hmm. And so then like Essen's brother uh Wang Baosheng, I think is how you say his name. Um starts he's kind of a smarmy character when he goes over to Uyang and was like, Hey, I see what you're doing. We are the same. Um and he just completely pushes against that. But it also like is the question of, oh, is he also like secretly gay too? Is he? Mm. Um, and I think he was. I think he was personally, but yeah, I think there's a lot of hints that he was definitely interested, mm-hmm. at least in Uyong and right. whatever that and, romantic and relationship was. But Uyong having a very feminine face uh was pointed out throughout the entire book. And that was like one of the points of contention for him because he wanted to be a man's man. He, It's not mm-hmm. necessarily his fault that he has a feminine face. Like those are just his genes and he is a eunuch. And so he wasn't able to complete the puberty process because the testosterone just isn't there. You know, right? That's how that works. I genuinely have no idea, but you seem very confident. So I'm going to... That's how I live my life. <laughs> Confident and probably wrong. So if you know the answer, hit us up, please. <laughs> um, and I also, I remember, because I feel like Uyang had been struggling with the decision to, um, I, I know that he had wanted to, but I feel like because he was so close with Essen, he wasn't sure if he was going to get his revenge until Essen made a comment about how his face was just as beautiful as a woman's. Mm. Do you remember that page? I I yeah. remember that so distinctly because Uyang was immediately like, "He will never understand me. I'm over this. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm was, done." It was one of the times where Essen got really drunk, right? And mm-hmm. Uyang was like, "I don't want to drink with you." Yeah, I don't because you're just going to continue to give me what you think are compliments, but are really actually incredibly insulting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hard to hard to watch or read. Yeah, it just is a such a a lack of understanding. 
mm-hmm. mostly. It, it's it is disrespectful, but it's because he doesn't understand his friend, right? And it's it's. I would say we're both very empathetic people, so mm-hmm. it's just reading a character that doesn't have as much empathy as we do, <laughs> and being yeah. like, "As then, uh, you yes, got but- to stop." The biggest issue is that he thinks that he does. You know, it's not, it's, yes. he is under the impression that he does <laughs> yes. have a lot of empathy and caring and kindness, but it comes from such a shallow place. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to be fair, had Young said, hey, stop comparing me to a woman, please, uh, he would have. Like, Essen yes. loved Young. It wasn't that he was doing it on purpose. It was just, there was a lack of communication um absolutely on both of their parts wow that was fun that's a fun discussion that was incredible Um, yes yeah but julia tell me who's your favorite character my favorite character probably juda who is who is shu changba's best friend and monk brother uh is the first character that figured out that shu was female because they had to share a cot in the monastery and just lived like that for years. Never said anything, never gave anything away until like his last day in the monastery. And then he mentioned something to Shu and she was like, what? And <laughs> Shu does like, I mean, did you expect me not to notice? <laughs> Like, I'm not dumb. Um, and then he turns into spoilers. I man, this is just spoiler filled. He just he turns into like a land pirate. I can't think of the name right now. Um a bandit. A bandit. A bandit. <laughs> and, and it's just amazing. He turns into a smelly bandit and then shows up again and continues just having this wonderful relationship with with Shu and I just love it. Um, so Zhu Da is probably my favorite character. How Absolutely. about you? Um, mine is definitely Ma. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I just feel like in so much of the book, you have so many people who are looking to get ahead and strategic and clever. And really, really sort of left-brained people. Mm-hmm. And she's a very right-brained ba- person. She's very yeah. empathetic and caring and understands everyone's perspective and tries to find the best solution for absolutely everybody. And she's always mm-hmm. rooting for the underdog. She's very. She really, I think, just provides a contrast from so many other characters in the book. Well, yeah. And, and I mean... She's really, I mean, yes, Shu Changba is like born female, but she, he, they really identify, like they're more non-binary than anything um, or like closer to masculine because she's trying to portray being masculine while still being small. Um, Whereas Ma is very female, very empathetic, very... So, like, even though we do have multiple female characters in this book, mm-hmm. Ma is, like, one of the only ones that we really get to see. Absolutely. I actually think it's interesting you say that because I thought it was so telling when Shu 
was written as a she and when they were written as a he. Yes, I loved that. That was one of my favorite parts of this book just throughout the whole thing. Me too. I felt like it explained everything that that character was experiencing and thinking mm-hmm. during those sections. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, so I looked at it as like a way to know whether characters knew. So mm. like once Ma was informed that Shu was female, um, whenever there were Ma and Zhu in the same uh in the same scenes, it would be a she. Yeah. But before that, before Ma knew anything, it was he. And just anyone that doesn't know that Shu Changbo is female would just assumed that he was a he. And mm-hmm. it was just it was so cool. It was so cool. So cool. And I thought it was so interesting that um, the character was written with she while at the monastery. Mm-hmm. And then once Shu left and like really had to embrace a different type of male presence, and mm-hmm. especially once they decided to trick um, heaven and really take on their brother's mm-hmm. destiny, it was mm-hmm. he for at least 150 pages, like yes. constantly. Yeah. Such good writing. Oh, my gosh. Very clever. Read this book just for that writing. Like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, is masterful. Absolutely. Genius. I, I just so felt like cool. it was so telling, knowing where they were at on their journey with their identity and their fate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of <laughs> popping all over the place with yeah, these questions. Yeah, we've been bopping all around. Um, okay, Maggie. Yes. Where does this book land on the spice meter for you? Okay, it's it this is an interesting question because mm-hmm. I would say this is definitely an adult book because they talk about concubines and sex mm-hmm. openly but not graphically. But there mm-hmm. is one graphic <laughs> scene that I would not say is steamy, but I would say is a little bit spicy and Actual, surprising for sure. Yes, <laughs> because it is, it is really out of nowhere. Because there has yeah. there what isn't a scene yeah. until like in the last <laughs> fifty pages. You're just like, oh, here we are. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I would say, just in terms of spice, uh, the first like two thirds of this book was just kind of spiced with salt. There wasn't really much going on. Salt mm. isn't really that much of a spice, to be honest. Um, but then once you hit the last third, I would say there's a handful of spice. Yeah, there's like a little uh, bit of paprika. And then there's maybe, one scene that's maybe like garlic. Cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon. <laughs> maybe cinnamon. Um, yeah. Um, we won't get into it because it is... Something you should just discover for yourself. If you're um, an adult. If you're an adult, please be an adult. Also, though, I do just want to say, and this was, it's definitely like an adult scene, but it's something I thought was so incredible because, and for me, it was very lovely and was a really big turn in both of their characters. But yeah, when Chu, I, it wasn't overly graphic. Oh, no, I'm I'm backing up. But yes, I agree with 
that scene, but I'm talking mm-hmm. a little bit earlier when Shu asked Ma to marry him because throughout the Ma's fiance had died mm-hmm. and Ma had an attraction to Shu, but based on this, like Shu really understood her and made her feel like she could desire and want things in life. But Ma didn't want to feel tied down and just be a wife again. And so she took off all of her clothes to reveal that she was a woman and like would fully understand her. And the moment of acceptance and love that they had for each other in that moment was just so authentic. I just felt Mm -hmm. like it was really, really pure because it wasn't sexual or steamy. It was just seeing who they were for the first time and just fully accepting it. Yeah. Anyways. So that's where it lands in our spice meter. Yes. <laughs> one spicy pepper. Yes. One like lick of cinnamon. A big red stick. I don't know. A big red stick. Of gum. Do you not know? Oh, okay. Like, I, was, like a stick of gum. <laughs> what did you think I was saying? I don't know. I just had like a weird image in my head of a big red stick. I'm so sorry. I did mean to say a big red (laughs) stick of gum, but then just (laughs) big big red stick came out. So (laughs) anyways, um, is this book also a movie show? And if not, should it be? Um, I did do some looking. I have not seen anything about it being optioned. For a movie hmm. or a show. Did you? I think it, I did not do any looking, but I do think that it would be an epic movie or show. I feel like it would definitely be better for a show just because there's a lot of information. There's a lot of information and there's going to be a second book. And I just oh, feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. It would be very Game of Thrones esque. Popping around to different characters' points of view and really delving mm-hmm. into everything that's happening. But we'll see. Would be yeah. very interested to see it. I think that if it does go anywhere, that Shu Changba should be played by uh, the main girl that did Shadow and Bone. <gasps> I haven't seen that yet, Julia. Ah, okay, I'm looking it up. How? How have you not seen it? It's been out forever. Because um, remember, I'm going to read the book first, and then we were going oh, to talk about it. Yeah, and then I never read the book. Well, here we are. We are here, here we are. now. Um, yes, I believe they go by they and she, Jesse May Lee. Yes, their Instagram Sweet. is really fun. So. I totally see it. Oh my gosh, she was in Last Night in Soho. Have you seen that movie? No. It's one of my favorite movies of 2021. Is that what the one where it like flips between the time two girls? periods? Yes. Oh. Wait, yes, time periods too? Yeah. So the one girl goes to sleep and then she wakes up and she's in the 60s. Yes. Yes. That's I could see that being on your list of movies. It is the feminist movie of the year. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Um I totally see that. I'm not sure who I would cast in anything else. That was such a good choice right off the bat, Julia. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, 
Wow, really good choice. Do you have any other casting that is in the back of your mind? Um, I don't think so. That was really the main one for me. I was like, oh, this would be perfect. Yeah, I mm-hmm. 1000% agree. That is really good. Really good casting. If I had to pick anything right off the bat, I would say Henry Golding as Essen. Who is Henry Golding? He's like the really hot guy from Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's a fun movie. That's a very opulent movie. Wasn't he also – he's also in a movie with Amelia Clark last Christmas. Yes. Last Christmas. Who can forget? That's a fun movie. I like Last Christmas. That movie – that movie is on one, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> Emma yeah. Thompson as a literal babushka. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. But she does it really well. She's perfect. I assume I actually haven't met any babushkas That's in real true. life, I don't think. But it's Emma Thompson, so you can only assume that she's doing a really good job. Yeah, I assume she's done her homework. Yeah. So. Um, Julia, Julia, mm-hmm. Julia. Yes. If you could, would you be a character from this book? And if yes, who would you be and why? Um, You know, I don't actually know. I immediately was just like, oh, yeah, I would be Judah 100%. Land pirate, smelly land pirate life for me. And he's kind of like the comedic uh, levity that happens. Definitely such a like he's best got friend some, character like, chaotic yeah chaotic best friend vibes going on which i think i can mm-hmm. vibe with so we'll make that my answer sweet love it yeah i would Who say would it's tough because one part of me doesn't super want to live in 1300s wartime china yes um yes. but if i were to be anyone i think i would want to be shu changba just because they're epic. They're epic and they're ambitious and they go for it. And they're brave. I love mm-hmm. I love a clever brave character. Yes, definitely. And like succeeds against all odds. Absolutely. Because there's no other option. It is success or death. Six success or death. <laughs> and we're not choosing death today. Not today. Um, yes. Well, um, Julia. Yeah. Last question. Oh, man. Already. I know. Do you have any book recommendations for people who have read She Who Became the Sun or are looking for something similar? I do, actually. Um, I have two. The first one. I know. I was very excited. Uh, I'm going to say the first one being The Rise of Kiyoshi, um, the books, the Avatar books that I talked about earlier. It features, I mean, yes, it's fictional, but it does feature Asian culture. And it uh, also features an LGBT relationship, which I think Mm. is awesome. So definitely. Yes, there are two books in that series. A third one is coming, but it's not continuing that story it's continuing with a different avatar um which i 
am not pleased about personally. I think we should continue with Kiyoshi's story, but that's for another time. Um, so Rise of Kiyoshi is my first suggestion. My really good. second suggestion might sound like it's coming out of left field, but it's not. Wicked by Gregory Maguire. Hmm. Explain. Okay. So Alphaba in Wicked, the main character, the Wicked Witch of the West, is considered different in her society. Mm-hmm. She is treated differently because, I mean, she has a very visible difference, whereas Shu Changba is not. But, like, he himself feels very different and, like, mm-hmm. goes through an internal journey. So does Alphaba. Um, they're both rising to fight the government and they both yes mostly succeed i think so i while think Wic- yeah while wicked is set in like a fantasy world of oz i think that it does have similar tones mm-hmm. i think that's great yeah i totally see that mm-hmm. i actually haven't tried to read wicked since i was like 13 and it just felt too adult for me it was like a hard thing for me to read a couple real sexy scenes in there um yeah yeah, which are not in the broadway play (laughs) they are not so i was confused (laughs) surprisingly enough (laughs) uh what are your book recommendations i have a few book recommendations Um, So my first two are two that I talked about in the beginning of the episode, but they are both by Madeline Miller, and they are Song of Achilles and Circe. Um, Both really take on the idea of like a poetic, long, epic tale. They really delve into the lives of these characters. And I just think that especially like Shu and Circe are both really, really clever, broken people who work really, really hard to change their fate. So that's my first one. My second recommendation is The Deep by River Solomon. I think I've talked to you about this book before. You have. I have that. I've been like meaning to read it, but bogged down with books. It is amazing. It is one of my favorite books I have ever read. It is about, um, it is a fantastical story about women who were brought over on slave ships um, if and they were pregnant and they fell overboard, the babies um, turned into mermaids. And it's about holding on to your history and your stories. And it's this incredible fantasy and it has an LGBTQ relationship. It is so good. I recommend it to everybody. It is such a good book. Julia, you're going to love it. I'm so ready for it. It's amazing. And those are my two, three recommendations. That's cool. I actually also have Song of Achilles and haven't read it yet. I think you'll really like that one. I preferred it to Cersei. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we have some fun book recommendations. Like, honestly, they're all spanning, I think, a lot of different areas. I think so, too. I think we really did it. Good job. I know. Um Go us. Literally, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you <laughs> so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. If you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. 
We are off to record our newest mini-sode for our Patreon. So if you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thanks for being a novel friend. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.